This week in baseball was packed with activities and action. From Little League to the Major Leagues. From coast to coast and beyond. So much to watch, appreciate, and learn from. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! My weekly routine in preparing for another episode of In the Bullpen is fairly similar from one week to another. I follow what's going on both on and off the field, I decide what stories to include in any particular episode, what audio clips I'm using, all of those things. This past week, however, was different, maybe even unique, in the fact that so many things happened. There were so many audio clips that I wanted to use that the biggest challenge I had this week was determining what to include and what to exclude in this episode. But I'm going to begin with something that I knew would be included. There was no way I was going to exclude it. Something that happened yesterday. It's the thrill of victory for baseball players 11 and 12 years of age. we have ever seen in Williamsport. That is their fourth win under the 10 run rule format in six games. So congratulations to the Little League team from Honolulu, Hawaii, who beat Curacao yesterday 13-3 to in four innings. And as you heard from Carl Ravitch, they crushed people on their way to this Little League World Series championship. Outscoring their opponents 60-6-0 to 5. And three of those five runs were in yesterday's game. Again, congratulations. Very, very impressive. Now, I don't know if this team will be crowned world champions like the team from Honolulu was. But the Los Angeles Dodgers are in the midst of an extremely impressive run of their own. In their past 53 games... Their record is 43-10. and 10. That is a winning percentage over those games of 8-11. And over the weekend, they took two of three from the Miami Marlins. The one loss the Dodgers suffered came on Saturday. They lost that game 2-1. to one. And the starting pitcher for the Marlins in that game was Sandy Alcantara. And he was the one who finished the game for the Marlins. It is the fourth complete game of the season for him. He went the full nine, obviously. Six hits, one run, two walks, ten strikeouts. And he has to be the front runner for the NL Cy Young. As somebody noted on Twitter after this game, he's a throwback to another time. And I agree. And I agree as well. I'm reading between the lines here, if you will, but that's a good thing. But let's not overlook this. Not only is that true about Alcantara, But it's true about the Marlins as an organization 
and Don Mattingly as a manager because they are giving him the ball and allowing him to keep the ball. That too, I think, is a throwback and good. Good for the game of baseball. Now contrast what he has been doing all year to the Washington Nationals, who are something like 38 or 39 games out of first place. They set a Major League Baseball record, not one you want to set. They went 43 consecutive games without any starting pitcher on their staff getting a win. No starting pitcher picked up a win over the course of 43 games. But yesterday, that streak was snapped. Patrick Corbin got the win as the starting pitcher for the Nationals as they beat Cincinnati 3-2. Speaking of starting pitchers, on Thursday, the Rockies played the Mets in New York, and I had the opportunity to watch the first five innings of that game. Missed the sixth inning and beyond because we did family worship. But I was watching the game because Jacob deGrom started for the Mets. He ended up going six innings, three hits, one run. It was a home run that he gave up in the sixth, one walk, and nine strikeouts. And of course, he is a great pitcher. He throws hard, all of those things. But what I was so impressed with in this game on Thursday and getting a chance to watch him for five innings was his slider. Not only was it 92 to 94, that's impressive. Based on the hitter's reaction, you could tell as well that they weren't picking up slider. To them, it looked like a fastball. That was impressive. But trumping those two things, at least from my perspective, was the command he had. Not simply control, but command of the slider. So if you break up the strike zone into nine boxes, three across the top, three across the middle, three across the bottom, and you take what is for a right-handed pitcher the lowest or the glove side, or for any pitcher, the left-hand lowest box, DeGrom lived in that box with his slider. As a matter of fact, when he didn't live there, he missed either in or down or down and in. It was remarkable. There was one batter, I don't recall who who it was right now, that DeGrom fell behind 2-0, and he threw a slider that was as in, or glove side, and down as it could be and still be in the strike zone. He couldn't have walked the ball to home plate and put it in the catcher's glove any better. As I mentioned, very impressive, very enjoyable for me to watch. Now that happened by a Mets player in New York on Thursday night, On Friday night, another New York superstar did something, not in New York, but in Oakland. Driven deep to center field. Stevenson back on the track at the wall. Number 49, a three-run home run, and the Yankees are up 3-0. Now, in that audio clip, you did not hear a name, but you know who it is. As a matter of fact, even if you had not heard what team it was, number 49 is a dead giveaway. It's Aaron Judge. That was Friday. He did not hit any more home runs throughout the weekend. But the question now, there's actually two major questions. One, will he be able to set the all-time record for a New York Yankee for home runs in a single season? And of course, that record is 61 by Roger Maris. The second question, and for some it's not a question, it's a foregone conclusion, Will he win the American League Most Valuable Player Award? No doubt there are only two people it can go to. Aaron Judge or Shohei Otani. And for the people saying it's a slam dunk in favor of Judge, they have an argument that I've mentioned I give a lot of weight and credence to 
that the separator is Judge is playing for a team that's going to go to the postseason that has a chance to win a World Series. And Otani is playing for a team going nowhere, at least as it regards postseason in 2022. So I think Judge probably is the front runner for AL MVP. The front runner for NL MVP, I believe, has to be the first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldsmith. And he is performing at an MVP level on both sides of the baseball. Same. He's had some solid outings, but some bumpy ones too. Goldie rips it out to deep left and a long one. Number 32 for Paul Goldschmidt. And now the leader in runs batted in in the National League. He's up to 103. The one-two. Burrell off the glove of Edmund. Stays with it. Throws. The stretch. Got him. It's incredible. Tommy Edmund. Paul Goldschmidt. Incredible here at Wrigley. So whether it's with the bat or with the ball, he is doing the job and doing it exceptionally well. And he's poised, or at least he has the possibility, of becoming the first National League hitter to win a Triple Crown since Ducky Medwick in 1937. So I think he is the front runner for the NL MVP. Going back to Cy Young Awards, I mentioned Alcantara as the front runner for the NL Cy Young Award. The front runner for the AL Cy Young Award has to be Justin Verlander, but yesterday he was lifted after only three innings against the Orioles. Once again, an impressive three innings. Three hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts. But he exited the game with an injury. The good news is it's not an injury to the arm. But nonetheless, it is an injury, or at least it's calf discomfort. He'll get an MRI today to find out what's going on in there. I, for one, and I'm sure I am not alone, hope that it is nothing significant, that either he doesn't have to miss any starts or maybe one. Because the season he is having at 39 years old, after Tommy John surgery, after basically not pitching for two years, is a sight to behold. So a lot of action on the field. But also some very important activities off the field. It was a huge weekend in Seattle and for the Mariner franchise and fans. Julio Rodriguez, their young superstar, signed a contract extension. And you're going to have to go look this up because I can't explain it all to you. But it's going to be at least an extension of eight years and possibly of 18 years. It's going to be at least $210 million and possibly, last I read, $470 million. Mariners fans have to be happy. Following up on that with a young superstar was an old superstar. That is, an old Seattle Mariners superstar. Ichiro was elected into the Mariners Hall of Fame over the weekend. And in 2025, I think is when he's eligible, he will be elected into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. So a great weekend for the Mariners. Going back to Julio Rodriguez, earlier in the week, he became the fastest player in American League history to reach 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases in a season. He did it in 107 games. The person who had held 
the American League record. He did it in 112 games as a guy I think you've probably heard of, Mike Trout. But who is the fastest in Major League history? Well, that happened, obviously, in the National League. It took only 97 games for this player to reach 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. And that player is Fernando Tatis Jr. And he has been in the news in the last week and a half or so, but not for good things. Not for what he has been doing on the field, though it looked like he was about to return to the Padres. He has been suspended 80 games for using PEDs. Last week, he held his first press conference since that suspension. And I thought about playing the audio for you, but you can't hear him real well because it was in the dugout, there were sirens going on and all of that, so I decided not to. But he said things like, I failed. I'm really sorry, or I'm truly sorry for my mistakes. And he said, I'm truly sorry to my family, to the team, to the fans. He covered a lot of territory. And he said, there's no one to blame but myself. Now, as we follow baseball at all levels, on and off the field, we don't only have the gift of God that we can enjoy such things, but also the gift of learning from it. Life lessons. And here's an important one from Tatis Jr. Own your mistakes. Don't be one who makes excuses. And if you're a male, be a man. Now, Tatis, I don't think he's a believer, and I didn't hear him say this, But if he was a believer, or if it was you or me in a situation, and obviously it will not be of the the kind of significance publicly that he is in, we have to say things like, yes, I was wrong. I failed. I blew it. I refuse to make excuses. There's no one to blame but myself. But as believers, we also have to say, I have sinned. I have sinned against my family, my teammates, my, my fellow workers, whatever the case may be. And I have repented and have trusted Christ for forgiveness of those sins. But again, an important lesson to learn, not just if you're a baseball player, but whoever you are. Something else as Christians, we are called to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And of course, to do that, we have to take every thought, whatever it is we're thinking about. And we have to do that as we follow baseball. We have to consider well, we have to have our thoughts formed by the Word of God, captive to the obedience of Christ, whatever it is we read, whatever it is we hear, whatever it is we see, and definitely before we embrace anything. Now, I came across something that I've actually been waiting for, for a couple of weeks now, on Twitter this past week. First, there was a tweet that was sent out by at Sports Psych Tips. Here's how it reads. To succeed as an athlete, you need to be coachable. If you don't listen to your coaches and accept their constructive feedback, instructions, and discipline, you'll never reach your full potential. And to that, if you're an athlete, you ought to say, that's exactly right. But even if you're not an athlete, you ought to recognize the truth in this statement. As an athlete, you need to be coachable. As a human being, you need to be teachable. As an athlete, if you don't listen to your coaches, as a human being, if you don't listen to those God has placed in your life, in particular, in authority over you, in particular, those who are older and wiser and have a lot more experience, if you don't listen to that, if you don't accept constructive feedback, if you think everything is criticism, if you don't want to take instruction, 
if you're not willing to be disciplined, either taught and or some discipline in the sense of what we often think about it, fines, let's say, in, in athletics or running or uh, discipline with a rod, whatever the case may be, disciplined by the church, you'll never reach your full potential. That is true for athletes. It's true for human beings. What do you think? Do you see it? Do you see it in athletics? Do you agree with it for an athlete? Do you see it in life? Do you agree with it? I think you should if you believe the Bible. But after that was tweeted out, Tom House followed up commenting on that tweet with these words. You need to be coachable to a point. To succeed as an athlete, you need to educate yourself on what makes you great. Be coachable, but be knowledgeable enough to know when to not implement what's being coached. Is Tom House contradicting what the sports psych tips put out? Not at all. He's adding to it, and he's making a point that I think needs to be made. I would tell my pitchers all the time, you need to be your own best pitching coach. That's in line with what Tom House is saying here. But I had a a second half of that statement, which goes back to the first tweet that I read from the sports psych tips. You need to be your own best coach by constantly gleaning from the best coaches. Listen to the best managers, hitting coaches, pitching coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, whatever it might be. Learn all that you can from those with more knowledge in various areas, more experience, more wisdom, in order to be your own best coach. And so I think Tom House's commentary or addition to the first tweet is very valuable, is very important. Would you agree? And here's another question. Do you think this only applies to athletes, baseball players, pitchers? Because it doesn't. And I wish more people would take these words to heart as we see many people in baseball and outside of it simply saying, okay, the experts know better. I'll do whatever they tell me. No, 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 no. You need to be coachable, but you got to have enough knowledge to know when to not implement what's being coached, what's being instructed, what's being demanded of you. There was a lesson learned last night as well. If you had a chance either to watch it or to see the stuff that's on social media, it started coming out already last night. So last night, the Sunday night game was Cardinals versus Braves. Great game. Great game in the sense of before it started because of the two teams. Great game as to how it ended up. But prior to the start of the game, the starting pitcher for the Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, was mic'd up. Mic'd up while he was warming up in the bullpen prior to his start. And he said a number of things that give us much to glean from, including what he said in this clip. If I had to say one thing to people at home watching today, it would be a two-part answer. One, get a routine so that you can trust that process like I talked about a few minutes ago. Get a routine, something that works for you, something that gets you loose. This one works for me. I've been doing it a long time. But a routine is great as long as it doesn't come become superstition. If you're out there thinking you've got to do exactly the same thing every time to have success, then that's, that's making you a weaker competitor. 
they told me right now that I had eight pitches to get loose, I could do that. What great advice for pitchers. And I hope you see great advice for all people. I remember a few years ago, we were on a conference call when I was working with the Brewers. All of the pitching coaches, including um, Rick Kranitz, who was our big league pitching coach. He's, of course, now the big league pitching coach for the Braves. He was on the call. And it was during the postseason. And there was a team, and I won't mention the team, and I won't mention the pitcher, because I know what was out publicly. I don't know what actually was going on behind the scenes. But this pitcher, it was a win-or-go-home game for this team. Wild card, win-or-go-home. And a starting pitcher who was the best starting pitcher for the team that needed to win said that he couldn't go and start that game because it would mess up his routine. And I mentioned on the conference call, I realize that may just be what they said publicly. It may not be the truth. But it, if it is the truth, that pitcher needs a new routine. Because if the routine prevents you from starting a win-or-go-home game, you've got a bad routine. As Wayno said, have the routine, but don't become a slave to it. Don't become superstitious about it. One of the great things, again, in baseball as a pitcher or in life, is having a routine makes you consistent, but also allows you, when you are unable to go through that routine, to say, because I consistently do things this way, when it's taken away from me on this particular occasion, I can make the adjustment. Really good words from Adam Wainwright. Now we started at the Little League World Series. I want to return to it. Although instead of returning to yesterday, I want to go back to a week ago Sunday. Actually, a podcast that took place a day or two after that. You probably knew that Honolulu won the Little League World Series. You probably do not know what happened a week ago Sunday. And the reason I know, and probably the only reason anybody else would know, is because on a Baseball Tonight podcast, Buster only had Tim Kirchin on. And a week ago Sunday, Tim Kirchin for ESPN had to cover a Little League game, I think it was at 9 a.m. Sunday morning, and then also that night, that's when there, there was the Major League game that they play every year. And he had to do that game for Sunday Night Baseball. And so Buster only said to Tim Kirchin, is it true that you were at the Little League field at 6.30 a.m. for a 9 o'clock game and you didn't leave until after 11 o'clock when the Major League game had concluded. And Tim Kirchin said, yes. Now, here's the other thing about him. He would not have volunteered that information, but he was asked the question. And then he was said, why? Why would you do that? This is a game of 11 and 12-year-olds. And Tim Kirchin said, I don't, it's not like major leagues where I have a lot of background information and I can go off of things that I've seen and people I've talked to. I didn't know anything about these players. I needed to get there to understand the players on each of these teams that were going to play in that game so that I could speak accurately and truthfully about what's going on. Talk about a prime example of being devoted to your craft, to your calling, of working diligently, of pursuing excellence. That is a prime example. The devotion and diligence, the pursuit of excellence, whether we're talking on or off the field, whether we're talking in the game of baseball or not, I believe should look very similar whether it's an unbeliever or a believer. Excellence is, like anything else, defined by God's standards. I think that the fundamental difference isn't in the pursuit. That should look very similar. But in the purpose behind why we are striving for and why we honor excellence. As Christians, 
we are told to do our work heartily. And just like non-believers who are great at what they do, they work heartily. We, however, do things heartily. We do things with all our heart as unto the Lord, not unto men. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for listening.